Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Now gets it wide left from Bruno into the area. Joel Linton's got space, might hit it. Joel Linton, good save. The ring yeah! is put in. And Jacob Murphy has put it into the net after only a minute. What a start. Back into his own half to share. Diagonal ball, Joel Linton making the run. Joel Linton's in. He's gone around Larissa. Strong out of defence to wait. Son to the ball. Murphy's had a go from one. Oh! Jacob Murphy has scored an absolutely unbelievable goal. Bruno rolls it forwards and passes it to Willock. And oh, Willock, what an unbelievable ball. Alexander Isak, one on one. Here they go again, long snap into the corner on the right, back to Isak, has another goal! This is outrageous! This is like nothing we have ever seen before. Do you think Larise came off with shot? <laughs> Ball to Almiron, edge of the area, it's deflected, it's oh! in! Hello, this is Pod on the Tyne. Please note that today's show contains strong language from the outset. Fucking hell, George. Fuck me. Fuck. <laughs> I, I do I do all oh, sort of think fuck. it needs to contain it needs to contain a lot of laughter from the start, because just oh, listening back to that again, brilliant. it's like that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a football pitch. I mean it's it's it was like it was astonishing. I mean, it was astonishing. And when Razor says, we've not seen anything like that before, I don't think we have. It's like no. going back through the years and all the scoreline, you know, some of the amazing scorelines I've seen at, seen at St. James's since the Keegan era, you know, when they went up and be- hammered Leicester City and then obviously beat Man U 5-0 and, you know, the the Sheffield Wednesday 8-0 and all the rest uh, of it. Yeah. But that was, I mean... Oh. We'll talk, we have to talk about it, but fucking hell. And it's certainly a career highlight for me. I, I don't know what Chris will think, but um, we've done a piece that has the headline, Newcastle United, fuck me. And that is like, to be writing that for a good reason is incredible. Well, there's only one thing you need in an occasion like this, isn't there? And that is Chris, wow. My God, Chris, wow. <laughs> wow, that was it. Heads, heads were scrambled. Yeah. Now I want to give two anecdotes about George Colkin from yesterday's, yesterday's match from sitting next to him in the press box. First of all, I noticed that, and this is a very boring journalistic term in some ways, but it also shows what George Culkin is like, that uh, we write into what is actually uh, an actual word, it's called WordPress, where we write to file something, but George writes outside of that in like a Word document, and still puts by George Culkin at the top underneath, even though you don't have to edit that in, because he just has to see his name (laughs) written onto everything. And then second of all, so obviously there's five goals going inside the first 21 minutes, in about the 15th minute, George turns to me and he goes, who scored the third goal? And I said, that was Murphy. Who scored the second goal? 
Joe Linton. <laughs> Who scored the first goal? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was Murphy. And that was, George just, even it's, by that stage, by 15 minutes in, George was gone, and the rest of the game was just a complete yeah. blur for him. So, yeah. The smoke coming off the laptop. <laughs> oh, to be to be to be fair, I mean, life has been a complete blur for about 20, 20 years, and you'll get to that. You'll get to that point too, Chris. But um, you know, you are right. That first that f- like that first nine minutes is just up there with absolutely the most extraordinary thing that I've ever ever seen or actually heard in a stadium. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just what we were seeing; it was what we were hearing. And you know, sometimes I mean, it's not like I was doing that doing writing a piece live I wasn't having to do anything live Chris was doing updates on Twitter and stuff I wasn't doing that it's just that as I was like taking notes on my laptop yeah. I couldn't remember what had happened 30 seconds before <laughs> because what I was seeing in real time had just forced all memory out of my head yeah oh, Christ almighty I mean it, I mean it was up there with the best and worst things I've ever seen I mean I think Newcastle were incredible the noise was incredible the start was extraordinary and Spurs were amongst the worst Worst football teams I've ever had the misfortune to watch. I mean, Jacob Whitehead is here as well. He hasn't had the chance to speak yet. Jacob, you're looking forward to Thursday. Give me Ben. It's going to be good, isn't it? Just have your joy today. (laughs) Have your joy today. We must have you now, Jacob. We must have you on board now. This is it. Come on. No. You must have turned However, one of us now. No, he was sitting in the stands. He was sitting in the stands. Yeah, I resolutely didn't celebrate any of the six. I just stood for. Just stood there. I nodded and I did you some part of must have nodded. Yeah. I don't yeah, believe just, that. Just nodded some sort of approval. Um, so quite disappointed about shares defending. But but the curse is over. <laughs> Let's just get that out there right now. Six one. It would have been ten if you hadn't been there. They were yeah, on track I mean, for twenty eight fucking nil after nineteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Somebody 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 tweeted around about the twentieth minute and said if we continue to score at this rate, the final score will be twenty two nil. It's just astonishing. I mean, I don't know it? about you, but I, fa- I found the second half so incredibly boring. Dull, wasn't it? I mean, it was like this is You don't deserve it's nice like, things. There hasn't been a go- there hasn't been a goal for ten minutes. It's like this is not this isn't fair. This yeah. is wrong. This is shit. Come on, Eddie. Deluded Geordies and their expectations, George. That's what it is, isn't it? Unbelievable. I have to say, I'm an idiot as well. By the way, I am an that's, idiot. That's, that is right. Because yeah. I mean, I, I've, yeah. I've been away all weekend. I went down to Yorkshire for a, a like a, sta- a stag do reunion, shall we call it? <laughs> Two days in Skipton. Absolutely brilliant. Had a lovely time on the drink. Had a great time driving back. I got a text off my friend Steve who said, "Do you want a ticket for today? I can't oh. go. The ticket is yours." And in my hungover state, with a bad tummy, on the road, I said, do you know what, mate? I'm going to watch this one in the house. It's okay. And after the th- after the fifth goal went in, he just texted me and said, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and he's completely right. I should have been there. I can't believe I knocked the ticket back. Oh, my God. What a day. Where do we start? Where do you start with that? It just was relentless, Chris, wasn't it? I've never seen a team just shred another team like a ball of mozzarella the way they did and it was just beautiful wasn't it from minute one there was something different about Newcastle United and Spurs were shell-shocked and they didn't know how it was I mean we use that term we've said it a few times this season that Newcastle being up against opposition who have been shell-shocked but actually you could physically see it in the the Spurs you saw it yeah that after about five minutes they sort of looked at one another and, and they didn't seem to have the answers. Stellini was stood on the... You could actually see it on the touchline as well. Whereas at 5-0, Howe and Tyndall are geeing on the players, demanding more. Stellini is yeah. stood there with his arms folded, no expression, not helping his players really, doesn't seem to know what to do. And that was basically Newcastle, every time they went forward, looked like they were going to attack. It was interesting. I watched the first 21 minutes back when I got in and it, and it wasn't quite... Who are you, Eddie Howe? Who are you, Eddie Howe? With a biscuit, maybe. We'll get on to biscuits later. But it, was, right. it wasn't quite how I remembered it because it was that sort of ferocious, so many things happened. But actually, if you watch it back, the sort of lulls, and I say lulls of about 30 seconds, 60 seconds, where it is Newcastle aren't attacking for 30 seconds. And the game sort of, it isn't played at a rapid pace when it's not. But as soon as Newcastle get the ball... They suddenly look bang. like they're going to score yeah. and they bang and go forward. Maybe it's because we were in it. Maybe it's because I had to keep reminding George who'd scored all the goals. But at that me- at that moment in time, <laughs> it felt like they were just constantly in Spurs' box. And it wasn't quite like that. There were- Spurs did get towards the halfway line, but then Newcastle would just come back at them. And it was... 
to play yeah. with a, to come to St James's and play with a back four for the first time since January last year was and to play two wing backs doing it and to play the high line that they did even after the fifth goal they were still playing a ridiculously high line was just yeah. the most bizarre decision I've ever seen a team do and it was there to be exploited and boy did Newcastle exploit it in a way we have never seen at St James's Park before. George Alexander Isaac, I want to talk to you about him just quickly. He played unbelievably yesterday and I was watching him a lot during the game. He was almost playing in two positions. He was almost playing as a number 10 for himself. He was dropping deep, getting the ball, playing it out wide and sprinting into the box. And he did this on a number of occasions. And then obviously one of the goals he scored was from that. 10 goals in 15 Premier League games. He has been a phenomenon, hasn't he? Yeah. He, I mean, did he score yesterday? I mean, I, 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 couldn't, I, still, do, I still don't know the I still don't know the order of the goals. And I... Um, yeah, I mean, it, so I'll just have to take your word for how good he was because I was just—I was basically just sitting there with my head in my hands, un, absolutely sort of not capable of taking in what I was saying. No, he has been brilliant, and again, great to see that. And then also Wilson come on and score again and see that. I mean, just just thinking about what Chris was saying back then, the the sort of extraordinary thing is that Newcastle have gone from a game at Villa where it was probably their worst performance of the season and Villa's best. Yeah. And then it's been completely flipped around at St. James's. You could argue that's Newcastle's best performance uh, the season. There's been quite a few and it must be Spurs, you know, it must be their worst performance as well. And you have to remember, I mean, when you talk about how good an, a team are and how bad a team are, that's obviously very kind of very subjective and you want to kind of praise the team who've done well and hammer the team who've done badly. But that Tottenham team, I think, had two World Cup winners in it. Is that right? It had and two World Cup winners in the back five and another one yeah. who was a World Cup runner-up in Perisic as well. Playing yeah, up. and obviously Harry Kane up front and Son, I know, has not, has not had a brilliant season but is an absolutely wonderful player. I love love watching him play. And there was, there was nothing. I mean, there was like nothing there. And again, I think that's the... That to me is the key. Is the key to it. I mean, you watch that and you you wonder how on earth Spurs are where they are in the league. But it was the word is team. That is the that is the that is the word for me. Yes, Isak was incredible, and yes, Isak cost a lot of money. But you know, my God, Jacob Murphy to play the way he's done, Joe Linton for them to be scoring the first three three goals. Yeah, you know, one player who was bought because Rafa had nobody else to buy and struggled to find a place in in the team. And Jolinton, you know, the biggest misfit of of all time for for Newcastle, you know, he was absolutely incredible yesterday. And I know we've talked about this time and time again, but but that is the story of it. It was a team against whatever the opposite of a team is, a collection of individuals. Um, Spurs were atrocious and Newcastle are a brilliant Brilliant, brilliant team. They're just a brilliant team. They are. And Jacob Murphy started it all, didn't he, Jacob? And uh, put the ball in after Joe Linton weaved forward and had a little shot, which was parried away by Loris. Uh, and he scored the first one. And then the third one, which was an absolute dinger from about 30 yards out, producing the image of the day, a smile as wide as the River Tyne. Uh, and it, he was... He was brilliant, wasn't he, on the day, Jacob Murphy? He seemed to have so much energy. Yeah, and especially chatting before the game, kind of, there's the option to start Amron. Most people, I think, expected him to possibly come back into the team, stuck with Murphy. I lost all confidence after the first goal in my kind of football knowledge abilities when Jolinton was weaving through and I was screaming at him to square it to Sean Longstaff, who seemed to be in an acre of space. He shot himself and then Murphy smashed him the rebound. Um but yeah, that knocked my confidence a bit. But then the third is just that moment of shock, <laughs> which Murphy said after was to do with the fact that they were three goals up after nine minutes rather than, I mean, he said he'd always yeah. backed himself to have that strike. But I mean, come on, you can't expect to do that. Like It moves in such an odd way as well. The amount of times you watch it and it, it dips in a sere- really strange way. Lost didn't even react, did he? He's a bit of a knuckleball. Yeah. And, and no, nobody, I mean, that's the other side, nobody was closing him down. No one's getting any, you know, no one's getting anywhere near it. No one's throwing their body in front of the ball. It's, it was sort of that, that thing, but... Yeah. And shares, um, what shares won it that, on as well. They've pressed and shares won it and he's continued. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And they've pressed yeah. and they've pressed. And, and, you know, again, that's the thing. Chris mentioned it earlier, even at 5-0, you know, Newcastle are pushing and pushing and pressing and making life difficult. You see how annoyed Willock was not to make it 6-0, I think, late in the first half. Yeah. Like... To have that as context, where he skies it over the bar and 
I think so. Ten seconds after, he's got his shirt over his face, howling in frustration. Yeah, yeah. But and it feels like we're moving on like very quickly. But I, I, I and we will have to to kind of get through it. But um, I do. I have to kind of go back to three nil and that moment after nine minutes and just the no- the noise of it, the noise of the the noise of the stadium and and um, you know it's it's a cliche. Uh, I've said this so many times. It's a cliche to talk about Newcastle in those terms, but. It was painful. It, I actually felt pain in my head at, at nine minutes. It was so noisy where where we were. The noise. Just absolutely jaw-dropping. Someone's asked me on Twitter today about, you know, where does that where does it compare? You know, does it compare to Keegan's team in full flight? And, you know, I, I, I can't remember is the, is the honest answer. But what I think, you know, what I remember from, from those matches was a sense of joy. And I think with this, it was just that sense of yeah. absolute disbelief, jaw-dropping sort of disbelief. But also it felt like you were witnessing an assault. It was, I mean, both in terms of noise and in terms of what you were seeing, yeah. it, was it was just incredible. brutal. Newcastle were brutal. They were brutal. You can hear the commentary at the start of a podcast after the third goal, Razor and John Anderson saying, uh, this is unprecedented, this is ridiculous, we've never seen things like this before. And that's kind of because after nine minutes, George and Chris had taken their tops off and were swinging it around their head after nine minutes of the game, which is something I've never seen in a press box before. And the whole, the whole of the Melbourne stand was gazing at it. And That's something I wouldn't want to see, to be honest, yeah. Well, Jacob, Amazing. I mean, that that is a lie. And the reason that that is a lie is because I started the game not wearing my top, as always. So that's not true. It was actually his pants that he was swinging around his head, Jacob. That's yeah. right. Somebody text, uh, somebody DM me last night on Twitter, uh, Andy Ebdale, my mate, and he said, um, Jacob Murphy is a voice twin for our very own Jake Whitehead. They have the same voice, apparently. You need to check this out, George. Mm. Jacob Murphy and Jacob White have, have exactly the same voice. So, Jacob, in your best Jacob Murphy, how was that goal? Did you enjoy that when you saw that flying in? It was really important to get an early goal like that. And we were, we were pressing hard um, to start with. I think that's probably where the, the goal and the chance um, originally comes from. And yeah, it's just showing the intent, getting the crowd behind us and just making the atmosphere just all in our favour, really. So yeah, we were delighted with how we started. And yeah, to be 3-0 up in nine or so minutes, you can't ask for a better start. As a boy at Newcastle fan, just sort of day which I always thought would come. But did I expect it to come halfway for a 5 0 win with us on the brink of Europe? No, no. Amazing. There's Jacob Murphy there from uh, live on Pod on the Time. Lovely stuff. Yeah, inc- incorrect with the, uh, the scoreline as well because it wasn't 5 0, it was 6 1. Did you spend last night with George, Jacob? Was that you just can't copy, copy this? <laughs> uh, was it 5 was it five nil at half time? Yes, it was. Which yeah. one did Brian oh, score? Yeah, I went home then. <laughs> I went home. <laughs> Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. We need to talk, Chris, about Joe Willock and the outside of his boot, which appears to have been, uh, you know, overtaken with the spirit of Nolberto Solano somehow. I don't know what the hell's gone on there. He played that pass genuinely. I mean this, the best pass that St. James's Park has ever seen. I know that's lofty, but I genuinely believe it. That was a piece of beautiful football. I think it must be up there, and for anyone who hasn't seen, if you haven't, Ugh. Newcastle have shared it on social media, so please go and watch it. It is pure filth. <laughs> it is absolute it is. filth. It is. Do you think he meant it, George? <laughs> Do you think he meant it? <laughs> Don't get Chris started on stuff like that. <laughs> if Almiron if Almiron had done it, yeah. you know what he would be saying yeah but he didn't did he so uh, th- this, So I had the pleasure of, of, of breaking it down for the athletic it's going to be on the athletic I've watched it frame by frame on my scout and so the, the, the move starts because it's one of Spurs' rare ventures forward in the first 21 minutes they play a lofted crossfield ball Dejan Kulusevski has it on the touchline 
Burn shows him inside, slides and wins the ball. Bruno gets it and on the turn, Willock at that point is actually running back towards his own goal. Immediately turns 180 degrees, runs down the left touchline. Bruno plays a perfectly weighted pass to in front of him. So at that point, Willock is, is not watching the ball. He looks up, sees Isak and Murphy on the far side of the pitch. Spurs' fullbacks high and he just arcs his body, plants his left foot, arcs his body so that he can manoeuvre his body so that he can arc his right foot outside of the foot. It's still inside his own half, level with the, the edge of the centre circle inside his own half. Arcs it around the back of Eric Dyer into Isak, who I spoke to afterwards, who said, I wasn't actually anticipating it because I didn't think someone would pass the ball at that moment. Yeah. Isak doesn't have to break stride, it bounces twice, he takes two touches and scored. But here's, uh, here's Bruno Guimaraes talking about uh, Willikinho. Yeah, it's not easy, it's not easy. I think, I think uh, just Modric can do the same. Yeah. Uh, was a, an amazing pass for him, uh, help for him, help for everyone in the, in the team today. Was the game plan to start quickly? Was that, was that what you, the manager said to you, to go at them from the start? Yeah, of course. When we play home, we try to, to, uh, to win the game in the beginning. We know the pressure, we know how the, the fans count for us. So we tried and we got it. It was very important. Uh, three goals in 90 minutes really was unbelievable. Uh, and the 5 in 20 was <laughs> amazing, so we are very proud for today. And can you as players sort of sense, you're getting confidence, can you sense that the other team is really struggling and that you need to capitalise at that moment to score more goals at that moment? Yeah, the goals gave, of course, the confidence. I think Isaac score, Murphy score, uh, everyone the pitch was involved. Was, of course, how I, how I told before, was our best game this season. Uh, now we have to get some rest because on Tuesday we have another big challenge for us. And how's your uncle? I don't want to speak about my uncle, just about the game. My uncle is nothing. I will be ready for the next game. That's you told. That's you told, Chris. Don't ask stupid questions ever again. Don't ask questions about injuries. <laughs> yeah, that's the Eddie Howe approach, just filtering down to his players yeah. now as well. Yeah. If that Chris Wolf asks you anything after the game, just shut him down straight away. We've talked about Willock's assist as well. We haven't mentioned Fabian Shea's assist for Joe Linton, which was another incredible long rake and diagonal ball. I do want to mention Joe Linton's first touch, which was absolutely pristine. It was Zidane-esque. It was that good. And the way he just sat Loris down, walked around him and put the ball in the net. That was the point when I was kind of, am I having a dream here? Am I in some sort of mad like trip? What's going on? It was just astonishing. The Willock one is, I mean, the, the, the share one is brilliant, but the Willock one is world-class, isn't it, George? That is just something that we don't see every week. Yeah, Alan from, Alan from work has called it the pass of the season. I think it, I think it, uh, I think it's, I think it's that. It was beautiful, yeah. I mean, it was, it, um, it was beautiful, beautiful is not even the right, is, is, doesn't do it justice. Chris, Chris, I mean, Chris has written a piece on it. It's worthy of its own, <laughs> it's worthy of its own article. Just an incredible moment in an afternoon crammed full of them but yeah I mean it was just so sort of difficult to compute all of this stuff happening um all all at once but it was no it was it was ridiculous it's a ridiculous ball that's what it is and Jacob the, the obviously the goal scorers grabbed the headlines but Sean Longstaff had a great game as well and we heard from Bruno just before there he ran that midfield didn't he some of the tackles that were going in on him he was he wasn't happy at all some of the boots were flying but he didn't give up did he? he just kept going kept playing his game and he was spraying his passes around and he was back to the Bruno Gimaraes of old he was brilliant yeah Spurs reached that point where he's so frustrated that all you can do is kick and in yeah. Matessa, Skip and Hoyberg, they had three players who couldn't really stop Newcastle playing, but could kind of swing a leg. But yeah, I mean, he just kind of danced through it, didn't he? He did. Longstaff and Willock just shuttling. Like, I think also like with Willock, it wasn't just the assist. Like he was just so superb the whole game, I thought, at both in defence and just shuttling up and down. He should have had another assist in the second half when he played through Gordon. And yeah, like surely when England's kind of next squad, he'll be... In with a decent kind of looking at that. I don't know if you guys agree. Why wouldn't he be? You're talking about your third best team in the in the country at the minute, and there's there's loads of you know there's loads of English players doing really well. I'm very pleased. Take I don't believe in international football. Oh yeah, we know you don't, <laughs> Mister Mister Joy. Here he comes in, very very happy. Um, oh. I'm pleased you mentioned Sean though, because yeah, I mean I'm not putting these two things together. I'm 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 not, but Newcastle, but I am because obviously he missed out at at, at Villa. Uh, with tonsillitis, and then played again 
against Spurs. And he is such an important player in this team. It is his his energy and indefatigability. Oh, I did quite well there. Um, yeah, is is extraordinary. He he. He is the dynamo of the oh, team. Absolutely. I mean, he is. He's the running man. He yeah. just runs and runs and runs. And there's more. You know, it's not just that he runs. There's more, much more to his game than that. And I'm, you know, I'm really pleased. And I, I've done a big interview with Sean Longstaff, which will be out in a couple of days. And I think there's some very, very interesting stuff in there about his return to prominence. So please keep an eye out on that. Absolutely. Was it your chat? What won it, George? It was my chat that did it. Well, in fact, one of the things he talked about is I'm going to say this now is is the cup final and reading the letters piece that mainly Jacob and Chris put together which was which was really beautiful but I'm afraid the true story might be that the Athletic lost the cup final for for Newcastle United but anyway more <laughs> on that to come what were your words of inspiration then George that sent them out on Sunday what did you say to, to Sean Longstaff to get him to go and perform like that on Sunday you know, son, you know, uh, you just go out there and do it. You're the best player in your position. Go and prove it to the world. Go on, son. I mean, it's, there was a lot of, there was probably a lot of, there was a lot of tactical stuff oh, in there as well. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's just what you're like though, isn't it, George? Loads of like XG chat. I can yeah. just imagine it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. We actually, uh, in the pub last week, had a chat about what we'd each be like as managers and decided that George um, said himself, if he was one, he'd take... Mondays and Tuesday off. Wednesday he'd be around the squad. <laughs> Thursday and Friday he'd spend writing the team talk. Send them out on Saturday and then piss off at half time. Ah, oh, the Steve Bruce model. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would go on lengthy holidays. I mean, I think that's fine. I think you do need to recharge your batteries during the course of a season. I would say that, but I mean, no, I would write the most beautiful. I'd write the most beautiful team team talks. Come on, I mean, you know. You know, come on, give me that. And then we'd go out and get thrashed 7-0. <laughs> well, yeah, because you I'd hadn't have only done named, any coaching during the week. I'd have only named 10 players, Taylor, wouldn't <laughs> and I? And it would I mean, say by George Colkin at the top as well. So. Yeah, at the top, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm, the reason I do that... And then his age. The reason I do that, Chris, right, is that I've done that for so long, right? I've, oh, forget it. There's no point even explaining that. Is it? Do you know what that is? You're making a very ageist comment because I have to put that at the top of the page to remember what my own name is. Bunch of shitbags. Ageist. All right. Um, Anyhow, George didn't get himself carried away with it at all, did he? Let's be honest. His his reaction after... He doesn't get himself carried away with anything, does he? But his reaction after the game was pretty deadpan, wasn't it, in the post-match press conference? And you asked him uh, if he got caught up in that head-spinning first 10 minutes. No, because you're you're thinking about the next 10 minutes. (laughs) So, yeah, I I enjoyed watching what I was seeing. And I was enjoying the team looking like it was playing. It's very peak of what we can do. But there's always the next phase of the game and I've got full respect for the opposition so we knew the game wasn't over but I think when I watch it back that's when I truly appreciate what I'm seeing and um, yeah, I'm just delighted with everyone I'm already focused on Everton and making sure that we do everything we, in our power to try and win that game I'll be watching this game back with a cup of tea and a biscuit probably <laughs> Oh, I love Eddie Howe, George, but I wish he'd just come out swinging his cock one week. You know what I mean? That's just <laughs> come on, Eddie. He, he was he was like asked about how he felt at five 0 up, and he sort of said, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm you know, it's a game's never put to bed. You know what it's like in the Premier League. You know, you've seen really strange results happen, and I'm just thinking about what it's like. For fuck's sake! I mean, it's like the Spurs fans were singing." You know, we are shit, you know, we are shit. You've got Scalini saying afterwards, that's the worst thing. And it's like, come on, Eddie, you must have been laughing your face. Surely, I mean, give us... It's it's sort of... One of the things, it's, 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 it's kind of like moving about him in some ways, that he's not emotional, that he's... He is, he is this, like, studious, serious fella who's created this team that taps into something that... We'd totally forgotten about. I mean, whether it ever existed, really, in, in football terms or not, I don't know. But he's created this ferocious, absolutely ferocious football team, this version of, of Newcastle that has always kind of been buried there, but, like, forgotten about. And he's the least emotional 
person, part of it. I mean, I, and you sort of do want him. You long for him to sort of be able to take a step back and sort of appreciate that. Yeah, it's just not the way he is, though. And I mean, he's, he he said at the end of that clip that he was he was going home for a for a biscuit and a cup of tea, which which does <laughs> beg the question: What kind of biscuit would Eddie Howe be oh. having? And I, the sad truth is that Eddie Howe will be going back and he will be having rich tea biscuit, the driest biscuit. They're not biscuit. biscuits, George. They're not biscuits. The we driest call, biscuit coast, known to man. Leave a rich coasters. Leave we the call the rich them coasters in my house. Coasters. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all they're good for. I said leave the rich tea alone. It's not the best biscuit, but it's also underrated as a biscuit. Chris, man. Oh, God. Chris, man. Rich tea. They're not biscuits, Chris. They are. They're not. They're something you would give to a horse if it wasn't very well. They're fucking... They're just, they're Trust, disgusting. Chris. The second, like, driest if man the, in Newcastle yeah. to, to love a rich tea biscuit. The only man drier than a rich tea biscuit. I was definitely got a tin, which he doesn't let people into. Like, it's kept in a kind of upper <laughs> cupboard. Some kids go, you know, Daddy, Daddy, can we, yeah. can we have a biscuit tin? And Eddie's biscuits written on it. it in Sharpie. He's got them yeah. in formation as well. <laughs> it's heavy, I reckon he broke out I reckon he broke out the celebratory wagon wheel last night just oh, in the corner on like his own like that a wagon wheel oh, yeah. it must be, you deserve funny. this Eddie you deserve, you deserve this, this Eddie yeah that's it it must be a pretty tough job though, sort of domestically in the Howe household like you can imagine Mrs Howe kind of oh Eddie Eddie did you did you enjoy our wedding day? Kind of not not really. As as thinking about the next ten years we got together. <laughs> <laughs> but what biscuit would people have then? What would what would your biscuit of choice be to watch back a six one victory over Spurs? Um, it's a chocolate Oof. covered hobnob, Chris. Oh. That's what it is. Oh. Interesting. That's what it is. Proper biscuits. Yeah, I should have thought of something funny at this point. Um... But un- unfortunately, I haven't. So um, I'd go both types of good. bourbon, so, biscuit, a bit of whiskey. Both. To- oh, right. Nice. right. So I was. I was. I was yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, good. Well, I think I'd probably have a club. I'd have a club biscuit because you know what flavour? Maybe orangey. Oh, but that God. was the definite. You know, that was the what, definition. What that was, I, I don't know. That was that was the definition of a club. All of the biscuits there is, you chose an orange club. You're as bad as Chris. No, a club, there's nothing wrong with a... Well, exactly, what it, as Ollie has just put in, into, into our notes on this, what is a club? What is a club? You, it's, 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 it's the noise, it's the passion, yeah. it's a rich layer of thick chocolate, thick chocolate covering yeah. biscuit flavoured with orange. Yeah. It's a young boy holding his father's hand and falling in love. Maybe he uh, treats himself to a penguin just so he can uh, have a little <laughs> smile. He doesn't let himself laugh too much, but then just reading a little joke on a Sunday night on a penguin. Read the joke, yeah, absolutely. Come on, this has all got very, this has all got very messy. Come on. What we will say, chaps, is that yesterday was absolutely monumental, wasn't it? And it's one of the greatest days I think we've had at St James's Park for an awful long time. It'll be remembered, I would say, for years to come. An astonishing uh, first twenty minutes, and then the rest of the game was just played out in a kind of post-orgasmic state of euphoria wasn't it basically there wasn't much else we could do apart from just sit back and enjoy it uh, there's plenty of reaction to that incredible game on the athletic right now get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod to pick up a subscription to the athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year we'll be back in just a moment As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
So, a little bit more on the uh, ramifications of that unbelievable result. Um, first of all, George, is that the best half of football that any Premier League team has ever served up? Oof, well, there's a question that I can't possibly answer I know. With, with very limited um, knowledge of Or memory football. capacity. <laughs> or memory capacity. George, um, was that the best half of football you saw yesterday? <laughs> Um, probably yes. I think it was the only. I think it was the only half of football I saw yesterday. What was the stat, Chris? It was the quickest that any team has gone. To- S- second quickest that any team has ever scored five goals in the prem- in a Premier League match. The quickest was Manchester City in 2019 against Watford when they scored. I think it was eight, within 18 minutes. But so that that's exalted company. But uh, Liverpool put five past Man United as well, didn't they? In the second half, so that's a good half of football. Yeah. Of I mean, I think the thing that we've not really discussed. Either is is that this is a big this was a big stakes match. This isn't yeah, just absolutely. like a laugh, you know. This isn't like Newcastle stuffing Spurs when Newcastle have already gone down under Rafa and Newcastle fans are singing Rafa's name. But ultimately, it was a result that you know it was a big result in terms of what it did to Rafa and persuade him to stay. But the actual result was meaningless. This was a big big match. It was important, and I think our I mean Chris and I. You know, we're, we're, we're really positive before beforehand. I think we were, but we both like predicted a three-one win. I think I just had that knowledge. You just, I mean, it's lovely this as well, having that knowledge that a bit like the Man U game at home, you you just knew that there would be a response to what had gone gone before, and in that case, it was obviously a response to the to the kind of cup final. You knew the team would be up for it, and you knew the crowd would be up for it. It was the same with this, but probably you know magnified even more but this was supposed to be the game fourth versus fifth it's a shootout for the Champions League I know it's not all over and done with yet and there's still games to play but Jesus what a statement you know what a statement that was in a game that Howe had agreed beforehand was arguably the most important of the season I mean in in terms of the the optimism before the match I'll be honest as I was before the Manchester United game as well that like then when the team sheet was announced, my optimism actually actually deflated a little bit because I expected more changes from the from the previous week, and I thought that they needed changes. Clearly, again, this is why I'm not a football manager, which is why the discussion in the pub was basically moot. Um, but the, Eddie Howe saw enough in his players to know his response. I know from having spoken to people in around the dressing room, people close to the dressing room, that the players went out knowing that they had to put in a performance. Certainly some whose positions have been maybe questioned. Eddie Howe is stuck with a back four, which still, it's now one clean sheet in 13, I think. But, I mean, they were wonderful. They contributed again to everything that happened yesterday. Yeah, There were other players whose positions are questioned. Jacob Murphy, for example. And yet the only player brought back was a player who, was only, who wasn't in the, the start nine of the previous week due to illness. And it was the 11 who would have started at Villa if everyone had been fully fit. And they delivered. And that again shows that Eddie Howe knows how to get a response from his players. It was all about response. He said response. And on the biggest occasion in huge pressure situation... Newcastle went out and they and boy did they deliver. It's a great point that from Chris because I mean you know those those results results like Villa and more, you know more importantly performances like Villa are ones where you question everything and you know you could have, you could have made a very good case about change, you know changing most of the team or half the team after after a game like that and you know certainly looking at a lot of their sort of responses on social media and stuff like that you know Chris mentioned Murphy. You know, there's been a lot of kind of noise around Dan Byrne and his position in the team. We know he's not a natural left back; he's a centre half playing there. But he was, you know, he was as magnificent was as, as 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 anybody yesterday. Yeah, and, really and so I'm really pleased. I'm not saying that to have a go at those people who who sort of had those opinions because it's totally, you know, it's absolutely totally fair enough. But at the same point, we have to, you, you know, you have to give praise. Um, both both to them for responding in the way he did and for how for letting them for giving them the chance to respond like that yeah. and overall over the course of the season you know the players have been magnificent and they've been they've been magnificent more often than they've than they've not so in yeah. in other ways that show that show of faith was fully justified you know they they've been the people that that have got the team into this position that back five has got the team into this position so let let them 
you know, give them a go, give them a go to let them stay there. And Jacob, we said this was, you know, possibly the best 21 minutes of football we've seen from a team for a long time. On the flip side of that, Jack Pitbrook on the Athletics said, uh, Tottenham finally hit their nadir at Newcastle. My report from St. James's Park on the worst 21 minutes of football I have ever seen from any team at any level. That is quite a statement, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there was an extra man which they always had playing out and they just failed to find him time and time again. And the sort of passivity on the ball. At the same time, like Newcastle's finishing and sort of ruthlessness was outstanding. I think the XG, I know George doesn't believe in this, was sort of 2.5 after the first 20 minutes. So Newcastle were outperforming that significantly and just finishing absolutely everything. So maybe in another world it was 2 or 3-0 and you don't have quite that level but still it would have been two or three nil after 20 minutes like. it's unbelievable whether it is the best 20 minutes of football or not it's it's a statement result isn't it chris are we are we in danger of kicking spurs out of the top six and becoming one of those teams dare i say i think the the big six as thomas frank i think it was the other week said i think it's now no sorry it wasn't thomas frank it was uh emery said is i think it's i don't think it exists anymore i think it's now beyond that if it ever did exist as, as a concept anyway spurs were probably the 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 flimsiest in terms of most weakest in terms of staying in that target but you look at where Chelsea are now and I know they spent a heck of a lot of money but they're going to have more transition going forward Liverpool have dropped out of it Brighton are trying to come up on the tails Villa are trying to come on the tails I think Newcastle now are certainly pushing to to make themselves part of the the established elite who have been there previously and they have frightened a lot of those sides. I mean, we've already seen what they've brought in yeah. in terms of as, as soon as the takeover happened, there was all of the related party transaction stuff, which, not to, to be boring and get complicated, but basically meant that it tried to prevent Newcastle doing what Manchester City have done to a certain degree with sponsorship deals linked yeah. to PIF, as it would be in their case. And George and I wrote about uh, the Champions League last week ahead of this game, basically in terms of how ready are Newcastle for it and, and people high up within the club admit they're not ready really for it at yeah. this stage but equally they're going to embrace it and grasp it and that it's game changing transformative are the words that we used about revenues that come from it what can happen with transfers how it puts Newcastle in a commercial sense what happens next and so this is ahead of schedule for Newcastle they didn't expect to be in the position they're in now bonuses were written into players contracts this season for Champions League uh, qualification, but equally they've also got relegation reduction clauses in their contracts because Newcastle were in a relegation yeah. battle last season. So this is ahead of schedule. You can't say that one year of qualifying for the Champions League gets them there. And the point that was made repeatedly throughout the article is this has to be what they want is they want to get there and stay there. And they're not there yet, mm -hmm. but they're obviously uh, surging and making a heck of a case that they will get there. The 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 fear that we that we sort of talk about from other clubs is because of the club Newcastle can become. You know, in terms of the financial side of it, uh, but Newcastle aren't that club yet. They're nowhere near that club yet. They haven't got big commercial sponsorship deals. You know, they haven't got any of that. They haven't sold players, so they haven't. You know, so the money that they've spent has been about correcting underinvestment in the past, and yes, boosting them because of where they were in the table. They've spent a lot of money. They've not spent anywhere near as much money uh, as Chelsea. Um, the the reason they are where they are is because they've been smarter than the, those other clubs and they've been better than the other clubs. And that is, you know, that is the story. We know about the ownership. We know about the, the resources that they have. And, you know, they want to be, they want to be a huge financial powerhouse. But that is not the story of this season. The story of this season. I mean, it's Tottenham's own fault that they are where they are. They haven't been overtaken by Newcastle's money. They've been overtaken by a better, more committed team. And, you know, it's, it's, it's on them that they haven't been able to take advantage of a season where, as Chris said, Chelsea and 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 Liverpool in particular have been hapless. Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that Everton game coming up in, in just a moment. But Jacob, fourth in the Premier League now will definitely qualify for the Champions League after the various ramifications through the other European competitions. Newcastle really now should be targeting third, shouldn't they? They've got every chance of getting there. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm, I'm just laughing because of the... That's a right the smile, Jacob. The short amount of time in which you kind of sat on the laurels of today and already next, next, next. It's absolute rapacious desire for... I want more! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, yes, you should. I mean, better form than Manchester United, um, who looked pretty pants against uh, Brighton on Sunday, even as they sort of muddled through. 
Newcastle have a much kinder running. There's Arsenal, which is obviously a massive game on the same day that the women are going to be going for promotion. There's Chelsea away on the last day. And I know that that's a very different fixture to how it used to be. But in my head, <laughs> yeah, it, it still should be something significant. It's still slippery, isn't it? Yeah. But no, like there is a much kinder running than Man U. And yeah, it's there to be taken advantage of. I just want to jump in and say how much I'm enjoying now how Jacob has to have a little smirk every time he says Manchester United because he's he, we've drilled it into him that that's what their name is. So yeah, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, and and you know that thing, Jacob, where you just laughed because we're immediately thinking about what's next. Come on, this is what it's like. It's like we. It's like oh my god, that was incredible. We're gonna, we're gonna be so. We're gonna win. The, we're gonna win. We're gonna win. The, oh my god, we're so shit. We're gonna lose everything. Oh no, this is terrible. I hate my life. You wait until James Tarkovsky yeah. scores a seventy-first minute winner on Thursday, and the kind of mood suddenly punctures. I think I've. I think I'm right in saying that if Newcastle win five of their last seven games, then they're guaranteed to be in the Champions League, no matter what anybody else does. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> it's, it's it does remember sound, who we are. Does actually sound quite difficult. Does it? But then I'm just looking back, and they've won six of the last seven, haven't they? And if you look at the reverse fixtures from those games from earlier on the season as well, they didn't lose against any of those teams in the in the first half of the season. Of course, it was a, a bit of an unprecedented run, wasn't it, that they went on at the start of the year? But they didn't get beat off any of those teams. No. And in fact, they've only lost they've only lost to two teams this year. Three. Three. Sorry, three teams. Yeah, or Villa as well. Sorry, I do apologise. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, I mean, is it a kindly run in? I mean, you can make that you can make the case either way. And obviously, you've seen seen particularly. Teams like Southampton and and you know the the teams at the bottom have shown that they're capable of picking up sort of ridiculous uh, results. I mean, and that's absolutely all still to play for at the bottom. So, so we'll see. But on the face of it, um, yeah, well, it's in their hands. That's the point. It's in their hands. Just before we uh, have a little break, George, as well, congratulations, of course, to Becky Langley's women who beat Leeds 5-1 to go a step closer to that FAWNL Division 1 title. Another cracking result for the lasses. Yeah, and just brilliant that they were able to sort of build on what they did at St. James's the week before. I mean, yeah. you know, just just really stunning um, day at St. James's and they've, they've gone away and done it in the first of uh, the, these away fixtures. So... Um, They'll not want to let it slip now, but that is, yeah, brilliant to sort of pile the pressure on like that. I wonder if a men's and women's team have ever scored more cumulative goals in one day than a 5-1 win and a 6-1 win, all kind of within three hours of each other. That must be close to some sort of record. It's got to be, hasn't it? Must be. I'm sure. Chris, you can check that out, can't you? you I was going to say that'll be Jacob's next piece on The Athletic, so look forward to that, Jim. (laughs) Uh, Right then, we'll be back in just a moment to talk about that Everton game. Speak to you in a minute. So, Jacob Whitehead, Eddie Howe's unstoppable, irrepressible Champions League potential mags are coming to Goodison Park on Thursday night. How are you, Everton fan, Jacob Whitehead, feeling about that? I'm quite glad we're recording this podcast now rather than Friday morning. It does give me a few more days to kind of get my thoughts in order. Um, No, like Everton are absolutely maddening because they kind of have this... In a way, I don't think Everton fans will be shitting themselves because it's there's this complete inconsistency to them. Like when Dyche took over, beat Arsenal and then get pumped the next game, kind of they've got utterly unpredictable in terms of who they play against. I mean, yeah. beat Newcastle last year in kind of when Newcastle had hit form and Everton were out of form, which helped them a fair bit. But they have problems at every level, which will sort of fit into Newcastle's attacking game plan. Like in defence, the centre-backs are slow, which forces them to have a deep line. Neither fullback gets forward, which means that there's absolutely no reason for the opposition to kind of stay honest. Like Trippier can bomb up and down. The midfield kind of lack composure and possession, so he can get turned over like Spurs did. For most of the season, we've been missing a goal scorer. Kind of has very little cause of optimism there. However, like Dominic Carvert Lewin is now back and played quite well at the weekend, so he will score an 80th minute winner. George, do you agree with that tactical analysis of Everton? Is that what you've seen when you've watched them? Yeah, sounds about right to me, Chris. Great. <laughs> Thanks for that, George. Um, You're very welcome. <laughs> Feel no reason to add. 
I mean, I think basically what Jacob was saying, just to kind of boil that down, was fucking hopeless. I mean, I think that's that's what he was explaining Everton as, wasn't he? It sounded like that to me. It sounded like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes those simple words will do. I was, um, I mean, I've, I I am slightly invested in it. So, like, Alan Shearer did a piece with about, you know, the ridiculousness of the relegation battle and he interviewed Sean Dyche as well as Roy Hodgson and Gary O'Neill and I was in on those calls and I mean I like Sean Dyche I I, I, I do I like him I mean I think I think his work at, at Burnley was you know was extraordinary it's an incredible situation he's been thrust into at Everton I mean and in some ways it's it's very recognizable for us um you know not not the bit about the ownership spending all the money that they've done um, because that certainly wasn't Mike Ashley's way but in ter- in terms of the just craziness at the top of the club or so it feels and the fracture between fan base and directors which we've seen over the last kind of couple of days as well with Bill Kenwright releasing statements and fans releasing statements back and things like that and you know an unbalanced football team that has somehow been cobbled together um you know, I recognise all that, and it's 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 horrible. You know, it is horrible to be part of a club that's in that sort of mess. And yeah, whether he whether he can do it or not, I don't, I don't, I, you know, who knows, who knows. But um, I mean, they're incredibly vulnerable, and I'm now going to contradict myself and say something that's very cruel. It's like, but look, looking at the top of the, it's something I've been thinking about, but you know, in in terms of like yesterday, and there, there is part of it you just want to laugh when something like that happens because it's so nonsensical, and yeah, you just yeah, it's like jaw dropping and awe inspiring. But you kind of laugh. It's like this is ridiculous. This is fucking ridiculous. I've been thinking about that at the top of the table. You know, Arsenal are brilliant at the start of the season, and you're thinking this is brilliant for the Premier League. Oh yeah, fantastic, Arteta, what a great job he's done. And then suddenly Man City overtake them, and you think that's fucking hilarious. I mean, that is hilarious that Arsenal are going to bottle it. What is the funniest thing that could happen at the bottom of the table? That's my question. And Everton going down is funny, surely. No comment. I mean. We have to we have to show Jacob a little bit of respect here, don't we? Why? No, you're right. We don't. Uh, it would be fucking hilarious, George. You keep saying to me that Everton don't do relegation, is what he keeps saying. So, give it yeah. time. Give it time. Um, they've been close though, haven't they? They they were close under Lampard, and they were close at different times. And they've oh my god, they've they've skirted close under Lampard in the last twenty years. That's it. They've skirted. Let's say they've they've skirted recently. How big are your skirting boards? Jeez. Like, I, I would say, though, like, we've got to be careful about... We forget, given the events of this weekend, but they've been a little bit concerning if a Newcastle starts when they go and smash in five goals in 19 minutes and you forget all of that. But it is going, the atmosphere on Thursday is going to be pretty nuts in terms of it's a game at Goodison, under the lights, Everton scrapping for survival, return of Anthony Gordon is going to kind of ratchet up the stakes a bit for Everton which I'll be writing about later this week and that is something which because Everton fans want the team to go full dogs of war leaping into challenges and that kind of first 15 minutes is going to be pretty awkward for Newcastle to uh, to deal with I don't know if you remember the game last year but it was pretty nuts yeah it was a horrible game of football the longest game of horrible. football that's ever been known to man just one of those games you just want to end so yeah was it just stop oil game as well? Yeah, it was just stop oil, and then and then there was so there was loads. I can't remember. It was like twenty minutes of injury time or something. That was, it was ridiculous anyway. And Everton scored during that injury time. It's great goal from Awobi. Absolutely, great goal. Slamming through. It was. Um, Chris Allenson Maxim are not not expected to be ready in time. Any other any other knocks to report? I know Fabian Shea had his had his you know every game he goes down with something wrong with him, doesn't he? But it looked a little bit more serious this time as he expected to make it as well. Well, Asher, as he walked through the mix zone and he just replied with, I hope so. Uh, Bruno Gamraes, as you heard, basically dismissed me asking about his ankles. Doesn't so want to talk about his talk ankles about to you, ankles, Chris. So. <laughs> Doesn't want to talk about his ankles to you. Uh, yeah, Alan Saint-Maximan, <laughs> as seems to often be with Alan Saint-Maximan, it's always slightly longer than you ever expected to be. I mean, I asked how about this the other week, when he first suffered this injury and basically said to him, is this always going to be a concern with Sam Maximan? The way that he plays, he always seems to get hamstring injuries or soft tissue 
muscle injuries. Is, is this going to be the case? And, and and Howe said he hopes not going forward, but but obviously he has suffered these problems and it's all these little niggles hmm. to prevent him getting full fitness. And he was showing great form just before that. So he is a miss. But other than that, I think they have decent options. What Newcastle had the luxury of yesterday as well was to take off two players on hat-tricks to bring on they're now joined top scorers because Callum Wilson scored at practically his first <laughs> touch and Miguel Amron has 11 goals. Yeah. Kieran Trippier went off. Jamal Lascelles came on for Fabian Scher. And he, they were able to make those early changes ahead of a game on Thursday and then another game next Sunday. And hopefully that means they're able to manage it a little bit better yeah. than maybe they did when they had the three games the other week. And then by the back end of that, although they got through them, haven't won them all, I know that physically they were very and mentally they were drained by it. Hopefully this gives them a little bit more of an opportunity of being able to navigate that a little bit more successfully. Thursday's a horrible night to play football on. Nobody should be made to play football on a Thursday. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever, George. Well, that's why we have to hope that Newcastle get in the Champions League, not in the uh, absolutely, not in the other yeah. ones. Definitely. Um, right then, uh, the run-in. It looks fairly friendly. I know we've spoken a little bit about this, but four of the seven games are at home. St James's Park becoming a bit of a, a bit of a fortress again, uh, including the tougher games. Uh, you would say Brighton and Arsenal are those tougher games. But what can we expect? It, there's still work to be done, isn't there, Chris? It's still in Newcastle's hands. The euphoria of the Spurs win has to be put to one side, as I'm sure it will be by Eddie Howe, and they'll crack on with the Everton game. But there's a lot of work still to be done. There is. And, um, I mean, as we said before, five of seven sounds sounds easy in one sense. But then when you actually think about it, well, that's, that's a difficult sort of run that you've got to go on. It's actually quite there. hard, yeah. Um, and the fact that, again, they they play twice more in the course of this week. I mean, every club does, so that isn't that doesn't make them unique in that sense. Um, and then the Brighton game is going to come again on a Thursday night, I think, hasn't it been moved to in, in midweek at a difficult part of the season? So that will be a very, very tough challenge. But they've put themselves in a great position now. Uh, they have huge confidence after yesterday. As I said last week, and I'll reiterate, the reason I'm confident Newcastle will get in the Champions League is I don't see the upsurge from others. I think Liverpool have left it too late. I think Brighton, the games they've got may have caught up with them a little bit, although I think it would have probably been in Newcastle's interest if they'd won yesterday in the FA Cup semi-final. Mm. They might have then had the, the distraction Newcastle did with the Carabao Cup final. But again, they've basically got to win just about every single game, which is a, is a tough ask for them with a small squad and they've got injuries up front. So... It, they can't lose focus and it is going to be a difficult run but they can go into it feeling that they're not too far away and they've just got to keep doing what they're doing because it served them so well to this point in the season and if they can extend that for another few matches they're going to get there but that, I mean that that is the other side of it as well is that it's not it actually isn't just about Newcastle it's it's about Tottenham and they've just been dismantled in the most humiliating fashion that you could possibly imagine I mean it's how on earth could they be fifth? How how on earth can they be Newcastle's main, you know, main challenges for the Champions League? And so yeah. it's asking a hell of a lot of them to recover. I mean that that performance was a sackable offence. If they'd had a manager in the first place, you know, it would have been. They've lost two games in a row, including one to to Bournemouth as well. You know, who are at the other end of the table, and Tottenham now have to play Man U. They then have to go to Liverpool, um, and so. I think the reason for confidence is, I mean, and you know, and uh, you know, we know we know this season there's been some extraordinary results and crazy results, and teams have been able to to kind of bounce back from them. But are we really expecting Tottenham to to marshal their kind of resources after that and come back at Newcastle? I find that very difficult to believe. You know, this is Newcastle we're talking about, and so. Confidence is always tempered by a rich experience of um, snatching defeat from the uh, mouth of victory and all the rest of it but you know you just have to say that you know Newcastle are a really good team and Spurs have shown how terrible they are so that would be my other the other side of my confidence yeah and lots of games as well Jacob where rival teams have to play each other uh, so you're looking probably 15 points would do it um but it probably won't even need that many, to be honest. It, it, there's a chance that Newcastle won't need to win all those five games. Completely. And, and I mean, luckily with Eddie Howe, you've got a manager who is only ever going to look to the next game and those three points. I mean, if, if this point, this kind of uh, single-minded focus really does come to help where he won't be thinking of points totals, he'll just be thinking, get a win each game and it'll look after itself. Even though he's still quite entertainingly, resolutely refusing to save Newcastle in a Champions League battle, which is quite endearing. 
just about time to wrap up, I think, chaps. I think we're just about done. Anything else before we go? Two things. I just wanted to, first of all, give a shout out to Josh Lewis, who is a list, is apparently, as I am told, our biggest fan in Australia. So he listens from across in Australia. So hello, Josh. And I hope you enjoyed yesterday's... Good day, Josh. What, Good day. Whatever time it would have been there. I'm not really sure. I don't know whereabouts in Australia lives. But anyway, that was uh, that would have been an early morning, late night, whatever enjoyable thing from the other thing i just want to say is this has been pod on the tine uh by george colkin so we have to just sign off every single episode now with that i think so absolutely all right okay get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to the athletic and pay just one pound 99 a month for your first year thank you very much chaps it's been lovely i've enjoyed it immensely today jacob thank you very much for your time mate what a pleasure being surrounded by three men with such optimism in their hearts and their bones and their soul Really cheer me up today. Oh, it's been great. Thanks a lot, Chris Woff. Chris Wow. You're very welcome. Although, as Jacob did mention, I still was whinging when we first came on this call about the Wi-Fi at St. James's Park. So I can still find negativity when I need to. So At least you've got your priorities right, Chris. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And thank you very much, of course, to you, Mr. George Colgan. Thank you very much for reminding me of my own name. I won't have to uh, double-check it for a little while, so that's uh, that's very helpful. That's why I'm here. Thank you. Lovely stuff. And thank you to all of you out there for listening as well. Uh, look after yourselves. Have a lovely week. We will speak to you next week. This has been Pot on the Time by George Colgan. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Athletic.